Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group that, well, not really a group, it's mostly a one-man show. I would say group because, you know, back in the day it started off as kind of a group. I mean, I've always been the leader, but, uh, you know, you start off something of a bigger team, but uh, now that I'm on my uh, 15th year officially as a uh, f- uh, Desperate Visions production company, uh, it's mostly run by me, but uh, yeah, so anyways, back to that. Right now, I am, of course, um, I'm actually uploading a Lady Hyde right now to um, uh, for distribution on digital streaming, so it's been doing that for the last uh, week or so. Very slow upload, got a huge, like a 100, 100 gigabyte size uh, copy of it for streaming and uh all that, so that's going good, and uh, doing post on um, Manuel in Las Vegas, uh, which I'm going to do some extra shooting in Las Vegas soon uh, for some extra footage I kind of want to add to it, so that should be out by the end of the year, and I am writing another film, and I'm working three jobs in the real-life world, so yeah, uh, <clears throat> which brings me to the Frank Observer podcast. Uh going to be doing a bunch of episodes uh in september kind of knocking a bunch out for a month or two's worth and uh to get those in the can so uh i'm not as pressed as i have been because i'm kind of getting these almost uh done the week before the show so they're they're fresher but uh yeah the constant turnaround of recording or watching recording editing reading blah 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 and stuff is uh you know a little bit much sometimes so so that's what's happening on this side of the mic so now to the other side of the microphone we are on episode 104 film 104 and the title of this film is macumba sexual that's the spanish theatrical title came out in spain 1981 um of course before i go any further all information that i'm reading here is from the Tome, Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 2 by Stephen Thrower. Uh, unconfirmed titles, Sexual Macumba, so they just basically flipped the first and second word. Uh, that's the U.S. Library of Congress states that. Uh, the U.S. alternative video title is a little title called Sexual Voodoo, which is kind of cool. I like that. Uh, almost sounds like an album from some 70s band or something. Um, or a place I used to frequent. <laughs> uh, let's see, production companies. Golden Films is one of the famed Golden Films period of Jess Franco. So yeah, this is Golden Films International, SA, out of Barcelona. Uh, Felvi Films, name on the legal registration. Uh Theatrical distributors, unknown. Uh, SMC says Columbia Films, SA, but see entry for... Okay. Uh, Timeline. Shooting date on this is circa November 1981. Uh, Got the documents for it on December 12th of 81, just a month later. And then it played Seville October 9th, a little under a year later, uh, October 9th of 1982. Then played Barcelona, December 20th of 82, and finally Madrid, October 20th, 1983. Uh, theatrical running time, Spain, 80 minutes uh, is the running time on this. Nice tight 
80 minutes. DVD running time, uh, the U.S. Severin NTSC DVD, 80 minutes, 16 seconds. Uh, Spanish ad mat on this says, Their minds were dominated by Terra, the witch queen of pleasure. Mm, sounds good. All right, writer-director, well, you know who it would be by now, after listen to 104 episodes, uh, Jess Franco. Uh, director of photography, Jess Franco. But he's billed as the famed, once again, Joan Almoral. So yeah, it's his uh, cross-dressing alias. No. Uh, camera assistant, Francisco Barangola. Production manager, the very awesome Antonio Mayans as... Jose Antonio Mayans. Makeup, Mercedes Bayon. Music, Daniel White as Pablo Vila. And uncredited, Jess Franco. Laboratory, Photo Films Madrid. Sound, okay, let's yeah, skip all that. Uh, unconfirmed, first camera operator, Jess Franco. Editor, Jess Franco. Executive producer, Stella Laraga and Emilio Laraga. Cast on this film... The superstar, Ajita Wilson, as Princess Tara Obongo. Lina Rome, of course in her Candy Coster period, plays Alice Brooks. Antonio Mayans, in his Robert Foster period, plays Mr. Brooks, Alice's husband. Genoviva Ojeda, as Lorna Green. Not Lauren Green, but Lorna Green. Uh, she plays Poppy. God, I love everybody has had aliases here. Poppy, Princess Obongo's slave. And then Jose Ferraro plays Princess Obenga's male slave number one. And finally, Jess Franco, billed as Juan G. Cabral, plays Mehmet Hotelier. I'm going to give the synopsis because it's so short here. Uh, Alice is on vacation, staying at a hotel in the Canary Islands with her novelist husband. She receives a call from her boss telling her to visit the Princess Tara Obongo, who lives on the island, in order to secure a real estate deal. However, the princess is the goddess of unspeakable lust, who practices black magic, and soon Alice and her husband are drawn under her spell. Now, just reading that right there, that sounds like Dracula. Uh, changed, basically. The uh, monster type person—that's the priest or priestess, the high, like drag, like belly. You know, it's like wow, you're more than a, you're a superhuman that lives in a castle by themselves, and that the uh, real estate, just like uh, Dracula. Yeah, that's totally Dracula. That's funny. I never caught that. Okay, well, yeah, actually, as uh, I, have, I have yet to watch this film, so this is all these as I'm doing. I'm watching for the first time and uh, reviewing and recording, so keeping it fresh that way. Uh, production notes. Uh, in the early autumn of 1981, Franco encountered a married couple from Barcelona who were new to the film business and wanted to invest. Although they knew very little about the nuts and bolts of cinema, they had a relatively small purse for production. They offered Franco one priceless commodity, total and complete freedom to film whatever he wanted. Thus begun Franco's five-year spell with Golden Films International. The husband, Emilio Laraga, put his name to the paperwork, while the wife, whom Franco recalls as the brains of the operation, stayed in the shadows. Between them, they released 16 Franco films in five years, from Sedia sex dramas and minimalist 
excursions into pure mood to cheapskate children's adventures and reboots of Dr. Orloff and Al Pereira. Some of the films are almost unwatchable. Others are Long Franco's finest. What's clear from the whole slate is that he was able to mount any kind of production more or less on a whim. The sillier inventions are possibly only because of the Laraga's nativity. A more experienced producer would have killed some of these projects stone dead before they even made it into production. The first two titles from which deposit numbers were obtained in 1981 were Macumba Sexual and La Noche del Sexo Ebretos, and they got things off to a very strong start. Macumba Sexual was a return to the subject matter of one of Franco's best films of the 70s, Lorna the Exorcist, focusing on the erotic machinations of a psychic witch. That's true. While La Noche de los Sexos Abretos was a tonally spaced out and at times astonishingly violent crime adventure story very loosely based on Poe's The Golden Bug, I'm sorry, The Gold Bug, with private detective Al Crosby from Pickup Girls hunting for Nazi gold with the help of a sadomasochistic stripper. <laughs> That's funny. Um, the Laragas were mightily impressed, as Franco explained in 1996. Those. This producer was excited and said, we have to do one more, or two more, right away. He was going on like this, and we started shooting without stopping. Shooting and dubbing and mixing. Really, like a factory. It turned out, however, that the Laragas were ill-equipped to handle Jess Franco at his most prolific. A fact that eventually became apparent when finished titles began disappearing into limbo, without being released. Much to the director's puzzlement and dismay, at least nine films mooted as Golden Films productions never made it to release, and not because they were lacking anything in terms of quality or saleability, as Franco explained in 1996. They remained in his office. Maybe it's a matter of taxes because he's considered a small producer, and as a small producer does not produce eight films one by one by one like that. And his idea, I suppose, he never told me, was to present four of them, and then the next year he would present two or three more, you know. Let's see. Yeah, it's hard for distribution. Especially at that time, that was when things were starting to break down. I had a few years left. Uh, Franco also pointed out to changes in Spain's film industry rules, which occurred during his time with Golden Films, where Spain had previously maintained tax breaks in a quota system, demanding that a certain percentage of films shown in cinemas should be Spanish. These rules were changed when Spain joined the common market in 1986. After that, any EU country's films could be included in the quota. They had this had the unfortunate effect, Franco claimed, of slashing Spanish film production by 80% in just two years. All right, uh, let's see. Review <clears throat> by Stephen Thrower. Macuba Sexual begins with a montage of enigmatic imagery. Sand dunes, strange Moorish architecture, sailboats, <laughs> a tall Magus-like black woman silhouetted against the sky holding a naked man and woman on leashes, a bizarre sculpted object resembling a bird or a flower, a nude woman awakens screaming as if from a bad dream. Confused, she looks at her husband who has fallen asleep at the bedside table. For a second, she sees the sculpture perched incongruously on his head. So begins one of Jess Franco's finest films in the 1980s and a glorious continuation of his mission to disorientate. 
Bakumba Sexual's lineage stretches back to Vampiros Lesbos and Lorna the Exorcist, telling a dreamlike tale of sorceresses who seduce a young woman and her husband in order to pass on her supernatural powers. It stars Ajita Wilson, the noted transsexual actress who also recently appeared in Sadomania, and stands as one of Franco's most assured and mesmerizing forays into pure cinema. It belongs, too, in the minimalistic lineage of Shining Sex and Das Bildnis der Doriana Grey. Stories that surrender narrative for a slow-motion cascade of images, the potency of which seem to spread beyond the storylines, like watercolor droplets eluding pencil marks on canvas. Everywhere in the film, we encounter a sense of slippage of the boundaries between dream and reality dissolving. For instance, as Alice wakes at the end of the montage described above, it would be normal filmmaking practice to curtail the strange, avant-garde soundtrack that accompanies her dream. Instead, the droning, wailing music continues. The viewer's bearings are further destabilized by Alice's description of her dream, which includes details we have not yet seen. The most obvious erosion of the line between dream and reality is Alice's waking vision of the sacral sculpture perched on her husband's head. Abandoned def- definitions, all ye who enter here, Frank was saying. Madness and sanity, dream and reality, fact and fantasy are collapsing into one another. What follows is a brief glimpse of the real world, long enough to see that Alice and her husband are holiday makers, but as they swim in the hotel pool, we notice that the place is eerily deserted. Alice receives a telephone message, but even the hotel receptionist who passes her the phone remains unseen except for a hand entering the frame. Franco has the misfortune to catch a couple of heads bobbing past the hotel entrance, but there's a car on the distant highway in one brief shot. But the dominant feeling is that, unbeknownst to Alice, normal life is already suspended. An evil spell has been cast over her. Uh, he's going to go in too much scene for scene for scene for scene. I'm going to kind of skip over some of that. Because um, that's just going through each succession. I kind of don't want to do too much of that. Um, sorry about that. Um, here we go. Many of Franco's best films seem to hover outside quotation, outside Quotian time and space. Like mirages in a temporal desert scape, here we see the quality linked to lost memories of Africa. The Canary Islands may belong to Spain, but they're located off the northwest Africa coast, just 60 miles west of the Sahara. Makumba Sexual's approach to the exoticism of African culture emphasizes mystery and seduction, the dunes, the slowness of time, the languor of music, the wide horizons, and shadowless panoramas all seem to stretch beyond the frame, to reach around the moment, extending it in our mind until we're no longer certain where we came from, what we're doing here, and how to proceed. The appearance of camels adds a bizarre visual element, though it's not as if one hasn't seen a camel before. Franco makes them feel bizarre, reminding us perhaps of Dolly and his impossibly long-legged giraffes. Later, Alice's husband also finds himself astride a camel on his way to the princess's abode. There's something ineffably weird about this solemn 
Solemn, that's such a funny word. Solemnity, they inspire. It's odd phrasing. Perhaps it is the knowledge of how absurd we humans look perched atop these stooped, gangling creatures that causes travelers on camels to mimic the the stolid, come on, dude, impassive expressions of the animals themselves. This reality extends further to a sense of the landscape as something huge and alive. Yeah, sometimes he's a little full with his words. Um, as Alice runs to save her husband from the princess across vast billowing dunes, sliding down gullies and climbing over slopes, it's as if she's lost on the contours of a giant's body, running away from the, running away from and running towards the same thing, a being of pure desire upon whose sands she treads, sending ripples of pleasure across its skin. Makuma Sexual is almost a perfect Franco film, but it has one glaring fault. When Alice's husband is seduced by the princess in a scene that exactly parallels the seduction of Alice, only the princess's female slave joins in the fun. The male slave is left out, a grimacing, eye-popping voyeur peeking from behind the shrubbery, giving the princess's claim to undefined sexuality. It's not unreasonable to explain the laws of symmetry to be observed here. You can tell by the way Franco cuts from the ravishment of the husband to the goggle-eyed male slave that he knew he was chickening out. The avoidance of fully bisexual abandon is a moment of bad faith entirely out of keeping with Franco's commitment to freedom. It's a disappointment not because audiences are necessarily desperate to see handsome Antonio Mayans flated by the unusual looking actor playing the slave. That's funny but because the underlying dream logic, which overrides all other commercial considerations apart from this, is violated by what amounts to an act of repression. Shame on you, Jess Franco. Silly. Were it not for this, Makuma Sexual would be less... <clears throat> Why, if not for this, Makuma Sexual would be more than... would more than compensate for the heteronormative ending of Vampiris Lesbos. So this is where when somebody's sexuality gets involved with their uh, seeing of things, either, uh, you know, homosexual, um, straight, gay, whatever your, 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 uh, your view is, um, you know, uh, it's funny. You should just, I don't know, you should just write about the subject and not put that. Anyway, that's my, my opinion. Um, let's see where we at here. Um. Makuma's closest sibling by dragging the handsome husband into the sexual whirlpool along with his lesbian-inclined wife. Other flaws are minor, although I could really do without the princess's surname, Obongo, which sounds like it's been lifted from some stupid colonist cartoon of cannibals with bones through their noses, an effect amplified in recent years by the racist name of the word Obongo as a play on Barack Obama's surname. Oh, I never heard that before. Interesting. Uh, for some viewers, Makuma's sexual slow pacing, narrative, illogic, illogicality and listless repetitive scenario will represent all that's annoying and alienating about Franco's cinema. For those who have spent time acclimatizing to his style, a lot of words I've never used in real life, that's funny. However, it will probably assume a place near the top of any list of favorites. It was made by a man who'd been exploring his fantasies in film for 20 years, who strip away the ephirma of narrative construction and needless dialogue to seek the core of his life's obsession. 
by placing the totem of phallic woman at the center of the desert of signification, he asserts female power as his major theme, while bringing to her portrait all the skills he's accumulated, creating dream environments and worlds out of time. The result is an essential work from a director at his experimental peak. That's that's really like it in a nutshell, I guess. Uh, reading all this, like that's basically what it boils down to, which is good. Uh, like I said, I've yet to watch this, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I always kind of waited so that way I could just watch it one time and review it and not think back or have any preconceived uh, thoughts before it. Um, so, he's back to the book. Uh, Franco on screen. Franco, playing Mehmet, a sleazy hotelier on the edge of the desert, reprises his strange character from Vampiros Lesbos and his quote-unquote idiot act from A Virgin Among the Living Dead, complete with perverse fondling of stuffed animals. A brief dialogue exchange indicates that he's been driven crazy by an encounter with the princess. Cast and crew. <clears throat> Speaking about Ajita Wilson, Franco said, I don't care whether she's a transsexual or not. The result is what counts. Amen. What I am interested in, in a film, is to see the bodies. Everybody has secrets. That's all very nice, but I don't care. She had a very beautiful body, operated on or not. Yeah, he says that in the, um, I think it's like the DVD for Sodomania that I see. Um, okay, music. Makuba Sexual offers sustained exposure, unimpeded by dialogue, to one of Jess Franco's most beguiling and mysterious musical creations, an amorphous composition for grand piano, Fender Rhodes, and string synthesizer. It's built around a fragmented, a fragment of, of melody which floats and refracts on waves and ripples of sounds. A half-submerged memory of a tune tossed this way and that way by synthesized eddies and currents. Note to the delicate half-echo of George Gershwin's Summertime. A fragment of piano melody reoccurs, sometimes clearly more often hesitantly or partial, haunting the film like a tip-of-the-tongue phrase eluding conscious recall. When I spoke to Franco, he confirmed that this composition was his alone. The music credit for Pablo Vila on his films can either refer to Daniel White, to Jess Franco, or the pair of them working together. In my review of Devil Hunter, I speculated that Carlotto Perla may actually be Franco singing under a pseudonym, although when I asked him, he denied it. In Macumbasexual, he plays a hotelier who sings wordlessly to himself, and to my ears, he sounds awfully like Carlotto Perla. Locations Did you have a nice trip? asked Princess Obongo. A little unusual, I have to say, Alice replies. She and her husband are staying at a hotel on the Baja Feliz, a tourist resort situated on the south coast of Gran Canaria. The unfamiliar architecture of the princess's estate, white plaster minarets, elegant grass huts, domed cupolas, and immaculate bamboo verandas create an unreal atmosphere like a fairy tale fantasy of Africa filtered through C.S. Lewis or Tolkien. The harbor from which Alice takes her mystical trip the princess is the Puerto de la Nueves, near Ajate, on the northwestern side of Gran Canaria. It was seen briefly in La Noche de los Sexos Aparetos, as it was the interior where Alice first meets the princess for real. In the earlier film, it's the house where Al Crosby and Moriah hide out while decorating or while decoding clues to the hidden gold. 
connections. When Alice receives a call from her boss telling her to visit a rich client to secure a real estate deal, we're reminded of Jonathan Harker and Dracula. That's what I said earlier. <laughs> uh, fishing nets hanging in and around Terra's beach abode recall similar imagery in Vampiros Lesbos, which that's a huge part of Vampiros Lesbos. You see uh, the different things that are trapped in the nets as well. Um, different prey. Uh, Romea's reading Johannes Maria Simmel's Double Agent, Triple Cross, a Cold War drama written in 1965 that was made into a film in 1976. Well, there's one of the things on the checklist, a uh, person reading a book, so I'll have that for that later. Um, in the echo of Kubrick's The Shining, Mayans is seen working on his novel, only to find he's been typing the word Terra over and over again. Nice. Took a lift from The Shining. Beautiful. I love it already. Um, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. I'm, I'm like thinking about that now. <clears throat> According to Franco, the voodoo fetish sculpture is an authentic Singhalese object bought in a market in Gran Canaria. The island is home to numerous Singhalese immigrants. Tara bestows the title of Princess on Alice, which echoes the unexpected reverence extended to her character Candy by the monks in Mansion of the Living Dead, filmed around the same time and in the same region. The notion that Alice is to be inducted as the new princess on the death of the current one revisits a major plot idea from Lorna the Exorcist. The princess, even now called Alice, my daughter conceived by Macumba while enjoying cunnilingus with her. However, the occult lineage is a bit less defined than in Lorna, when the witch was psychically involved in the heroine's conception. Well, that just, that's that. <laughs> kind of just flatly in it. Yeah, that, that sounds cool. So it sounds like a mix between uh, Dracula, Lorna the Exorcist, Vampiro Lesbos, and uh, The Shining, So, and among other things. So yeah, sounds good. I'm looking forward to watching it. So let's see, um, a little things before the break here, uh, as you already know, and as part of the mantra, the motto, um, please download all episodes, uh, if you haven't subscribed already, please do so, uh, because the more subscribers, it's better for the, um, for the podcast itself, I guess, it's the better numbers and all that good stuff, you know, it shows that people are actually subscribing to it and, and follow it, so... And if you do that, it'll be in your mailbox or however you're listening, your platform ready for you to listen to. Uh, they come out every Wednesday morning uh, about 1 a.m. West Coast time. Always set for the same, so about 3 a.m. East Coast time. And then around the world, it's different than that, so check your local listings. Um, so there's that. Um, download, subscribe. Uh, we're also on Facebook and on uh, Instagram under the Franco Observer Podcast. You can find us there. Uh, if you want to write us, please do so. You can email us at Franco Observer Podcast. And I'm sorry, Franco Observer Podcast at yahoo.com. Sorry. And also, uh, here, here's my notes. Good. Uh, download episode. Boom, boom. Oh, yeah. Also, too, we have a uh, donation button on the. Um, on the site, so if you care to donate, either one time or um, reoccurring, please feel free to do so. As you know, I can use it as I'm working three jobs, so that should tell you I don't have tons of money. 
what else we have here? Um, yeah. And uh, be on the lookout for Lady Hyde. I will let you know when uh, it gets distributed or how that works out. And be on the lookout for Emmanuel and Sin City coming by the end of 2022. And uh, anything else I can think of? No, that should be it. Um, I think Holly's going to be the guest reviewer uh, on this episode. I'm going to be... That's going behind the curtain here and that's going to be a few days after I record this narration opening here so we'll know more for sure but yeah she she's penciled in to review it so uh, the turnaround time on this episode too will be less than a week so that's a little bit tight for me but uh, with my job situation and all that it's kind of the way it is here for the next few weeks so that's how it's going to have to be so but you'll get it there every Wednesday morning ready for you so all right, man. Uh, hang out past the bumper music, and you will hear my and Collie's review for Macumba Sexual. Thanks. Arrivederci. Buenas noches. We are back for the review portion of uh, episode 104, a film 104, Macumba Sexual. So, uh, so I put out this list of uh, episodes of people, and uh, oh yeah, by the way, uh, this is going to tie into my introduction for her. So he said, "Oh, so who wants to do this film?" And she's like, "Oh, I want to do." Macumba sexual. So, of course, anything that has the word sex in it has to go to Kali. So, Kali, how are you today? <laughs> Come on. This is one of Jess's most magnificent works. You have to. Yeah. See, now here's the thing. First, I wanted in on this. I liked this film and I liked the vibe of it, but I think I was a little bit over uh, inflated for it. Like, I was expecting a little too much. And I liked it, but I don't think it delivered on what I had maybe hoped. Not that I hoped it would be, but I don't know. I, there was, I mean, and believe me, there's great shots, there's great music, great lead and all stuff, but it's just kind of derivative of a lot of other stuff to me. What did I you mean, think about it? I know that you don't watch these things to ever jerk off and you've never jerked off to a Jess movie in your life. But I mean, this one didn't, you know, like even encourage you to, you know, fondle yourself maybe i mean geez it's like lena's magic tongue but wait everybody's magic tongue and like it, i mean like she's got slaves and they're like everyone is is has the tongues on all of the things at once though in the bongos and the she the queen is so hot and it's just all in this crazy architecture like you've never seen and it's just all magical and it's like his best fever dream of them all. I mean, it's, it's okay. So for me, the sexual part was like first Ajita Wilson, we all know she's transgender. So I just kept looking at her hands and like thinking of like, you know, uh, looking at her boob implants and when they were showing close-ups of her vagina, looking at that to see. And so it was more like examining her and like seeing her as kind of like, Oh wow. And like 
listening to all the dialogue with the in jokes about the penis stuff and, and all that stuff. Yeah, with, she's you know. like the most beautiful creature in the world. It doesn't, I, I mean, it, it, it does, it completely transcends any, like, I, uh, that I, I can't remotely like, I mean, the, the, well, it, to me, I mean, I mean, she's <laughs> not male or female. She's like both. Cause she was born and then, and then uh, transitioned on to being female. So to her, I just look at her as like, a wonder she's like the ultimate sexual yeah. being. I mean, she's all just all of the things that you know you could want. She wants to to make everyone come, and she can because she's the most powerful goddess of seduction in three hundred years. But she's derivative of Soldat Miranda, and that's derivative of Bill yeah. Lugosi. I mean, that's all. Definitely, I there's nods to Vampires, Lesbos, and Lord of the Exorcist, and all that. But I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just freaking think this this is like the queens, everything. It like trumps every. I don't know. I I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's more of a vibe, and it's oh, more yeah. of just like a feeling. And there is a story there, but like. I mean, basically, in a nutshell, it's the story of Dracula. Dracula is about Dracula uh, sitting out, wanting to meet somebody. They have to go to a, a real estate deal. They go to a faraway place to sell this house to this person. And then <laughs> that person basically corrupts the person that comes over. And so Jonathan Harker, it's it's uh, Alice, you know. And uh, so, I mean, it's that same story. And then, but this is more just the journey to see Dracula. And not all the back end of Dracula, just like leading up to the thing and being turned. And then it's just kind of plus and all that stuff is the passing of power. And the same with um, other vampire movies where the vampires tired of being a vampire. They want to pass off their power to somebody else and just give them because they're tired of stuff. And so, I mean, it's, 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 it's a common story. All that. What's that? Like in Lorna, she's the mother, and in the end, it's just the, I'm your mother, and all that stuff. So yeah, which is weird because that's all that incest stuff again with Uncle Jess. She's like, "I'm your mother. You're my daughter. I love you." You know, I'm like, whoa. You know, say so yeah, I was laughing. Oh, okay. But wait, can, when can we can we talk about Uncle Jess? And oh yeah, okay. So let's just uh, let's go ahead and kind of go in like order of the film. We can kind of talk about each scene. Okay, so uh, starts off, of course, uh, with her. Oh yeah. Okay. Speaking of Uncle Jess, so you know that was Uncle Jess singing in the in the film, don't do you? Was it? Yeah. The you know that that boy that's, that's singing all the way through. Yeah, I was actually wondering, like uh, in a lot of the music, I was wondering if it was Jess or not, just the playing and stuff. I mean, and not the Congos, but you know, like everything else. Yeah, uh, this music is credited all entirely to him. There's no Daniel White. It's just uh, Uncle Jess. Yeah. Music for which is pretty cool. And he's billed as the uh, camera operator, uh, Joan Amaril again. So he has the female name as the camera operator. What it was Juan Solis or whatever was his. Uh, Juan Juan Solar. That's another person. That's uh, that's an actual real person. But Joan Amaril. Yeah, I thought he was the camera guy in this one. I thought. No, no, it's uh, Joan Amaril, and then he, and then also the music's credited to uh, Pablo Villa. Which is oh, yeah. Jess as well, or Daniel White's alias as well. Uh, so yes, he has all that. Um, so we have first two minutes right away. The first nudity is Lena, of course, and she's dreaming of of the whole like you know, uh, Tara, uh, Princess. Uh, Her whorish body, as Jess calls it. Yeah, when he sees her, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He goes, uh, yeah, jump ahead. He goes, uh, you have a beautiful body. body and a slut like all Western women. All Western women, yep. <laughs> But yeah, but so uh, 
So we have that. We have the nudity of, of uh, Alina dreaming. Um, and okay, so she's laying in bed with her husband and she has this blue headboard behind her. And on the side of the bed where the man sleeps on the other side, there's like this rail. So it's almost like they're sleeping in a baby's crib because it has that weird kind of crib rail on the side, which is kind of cool because it's like they're a married couple. They're a honeymoon. They're 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 like, you know, a fresh couple. So it's like a honeymoon or it's like a uh, like this crib. They're like infant. Yeah, it reminded me of like lofts of when I first, you know, was like with my first boyfriend or whatever, you know, when you saw it to have roommates and shit. And yeah. You end up in a loft and all that. So yeah, yeah. So we have that, and I thought that was kind of cool because I'm always noticing the headboards and the bed mm-hmm. and certain stuff. So yeah, caught yeah. that. Um, and uh, which is cool. Oh yeah. So then, of course, me with my Pazuzu tattoo, and you know how much I love Pazuzu. There's like this fake Pazuzu in this film. This like bird with a penis sticking up that you see in the thing on top of the princess laying there, and he shows that chicken creature a lot throughout the film, about five or six times. You know. Yeah, it's like a chicken um, zombie thing or something. Not not zombie, but a chicken. Um, like what what are they called? Mummy. Yeah, a chicken mummy or something like a corpsified chicken thing. I don't know. It just kept it made me think of you know that Frank Zappa film where they keep using the chicken to measure it and they have this like dead chicken. That, this became like a trope, like a joke thing with my friends. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, you used to always be using the chicken to measure it. And that I just think he's, you know, the, this whole movie is just like it, it's like the comic relief throughout the whole movie. It's just like it's all sexy times, sexy times, and then using the chicken to measure it. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. So weird. I don't, I don't know. That's how my brain processes it. But yeah, yeah it's no, so goofy. For, it's just using the chicken to measure her pussy everywhere. But for me, though, I think it's supposed to be a knockoff of Pazuzu because there's a few horror nods in here. Here's there's a scene of him typing on the typewriter, like in the shining, shining. he types her name on yeah. through. And then that Pazuzu statue, because Pazuzu has a penis and, and other stuff and other drawings of, of stuff. So, so yeah, so I figured that was like his kind of voodoo thing because he has other holy statues, as we see later in the film during the incantation scenes, pulling out the sand and all that stuff. So he uses that really um, symbolic imagery pretty well in this. Um, so the couple, they're in this like hotel they're staying at. And it's really cool because you don't see anybody in the swimming pool. You don't see anybody walking around the hallways you hear a voice call out over the intercom and Lena goes up and checks on, uh, checks on the uh, call from her boss that tells her the information. But uh, you know, uh, that's all that we see of people. Ah, there you are. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was recording. You just froze, but. Well, sorry. I don't know. I just got AT&T fiber optic cable. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so we have everybody swimming alone and there's nobody around that hotel. So it's very vacant. It's like a total dream of almost like a total, you know, weird fucking area. Yeah, where is the location on this? Like, they have like, the whole island. It looks like, like you uh, know, the actual, like the actual location of the filming. Uh, it's uh, the hotel on Baja Files, a tourist resort situated on the south coast of Gran Canaria. Yeah, so looks like you're froze again. There you go. I don't know what's going on. That's bizarre. It keeps freezing, but I don't know. So anyway, it's um, okay. So yeah, so we have the uh, intercom voice, and like I talked about earlier, Dracula with the real estate papers. Uh, the princess sends because she wants to basically meet Alice and bring her over to her island, you know. And it's cool that she lives on an island. How we always talk about to her name. 
Because it's okay. Alice Brooks, right? So it's like Louise Brooks. But what what do you think the Alice reference is? Probably Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's kind of obvious. Just like her going off into the Wonderland of the of the bizarre thing, you know. Yeah. Okay. That's just a you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so we have that. The cool. It's cool that she lives on an island. How a lot of the stuff we talk about with the. Um, yeah, Marquis de Sade, how the couples live on the islands away from society. She lives on that island away from everybody. But uh, before she could go to the island, uh, she, uh, oh yeah, so anyway, uh, we see her and she's cool. So she is like Dracula. She has a black cape. And in the dream, she's wearing white. She's walking her two pets that we talked about earlier, the man and the woman. And the guy has really bugged out eyes and he has really bad tattoos. He has a bad tattoo on his back of like this fucking shape of something. A weird tattoo on his arm. <laughs> Yay for bad tattoos. Yeah, the bad fucking set 80, early 80s tattoos. Uh, so, uh, what have Oh, yeah, so we have. Um, what was that? That's odd. Long two bits. Oh, yeah, so then uh, she she keeps having the fantasy ever. Oh, yeah, so then Lena has sex with her husband. And as she's having sex with her husband, she imagines the princess's face where her husband is. Oh, Clara. Yeah. It's like Toro, Toro, Toro. That's funny. <laughs> and it's kind of creepy, too, because her laughing and stuff is kind of like really just scary looking at her. <laughs> it's kind of like evil laugh. And she's like, you know. And of course, of course, Vegeta being, just being a guy, it's like she's writing the penis and it's Vegeta Wilson. So it's extra funny, you know. So, so Yeah. It's yeah. amazing. So Jeff's throwing all these little things in there. It's, it's pretty interesting through here. Um, yeah, I like how they switch it off, though, too. You know, Lena becomes Tara to the guy, to, to her husband, you know? Like, it's, yeah. experience the um, uh, one of your checklist mind control, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely mind control is all the way through, definitely. Um, and speaking of mind control, uh, during this period, Jess is, I'm noticing, uh, either the virgins, Devil Hunter, a few of these, he has a thing with, like, jeans during these periods. Really, everybody's wearing jeans, like, and he's showing the like labels on all the jeans. He's really focused on the jeans. So in, the, so in this one, the jeans is Lena with the shortest cutoffs I've ever seen. And when she meets Jess, you literally see her pussy lips sticking out of the bottom of the cutoff jeans. And, and, yeah. and Frank goes like staring at it as he's seeing her. It was really funny. Yeah, that was a very, I thought you would really enjoy that meta moment of your, you know, your, what is it? What do you, is, is zoom in or whatever the. Yeah, yeah, the zoom's. The zooms yeah that was that was probably the best zoom when you actually have because that's the, the great thing about jess's cameos and this is is like how he, he you know he i mean he's leering at lena like a complete creep which is pretty much what he's probably doing in every single film right so, yeah, it's kind of great like he's just like here's me doing what i do you know <laughs> but like but like going full like tilt with it you know and just being as completely like hey my name is meme and you know just, yeah which is yeah. funny his name yeah meme i guess m-e-m-e almost like a meme years later i'm like oh wow he invented the meme you know <laughs> he goes hi i'm meme <laughs> well i mean it's also like me me it's me like, that's it's true a- that's true like me 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 he's all for me 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 yeah and he's playing with his little turtles and, and i'm sort of laughing at this jess because he's actually an idiot like he is in virgin among the living dead and i think prisoner frank Dracula, prisoner frankenstein but he's also very intelligent and he knows about the woman her being dead and and people that they go there they don't come back and so he's actually very wise but he's a kind of an idiot as well you know it kind of seems like he himself is um brainwashed like because he he tells her like at certain points you know like 
you can't go there. You shouldn't, but like that can't, that's not possible because she's dead, but Oh, you shouldn't go there. Cause then you'll die. Cause she is there, but, uh, but no, she's not. And it's like, he's like confused. Like he knows two things at once. And it kind of felt like he was, he had been brainwashed and he was like, but he, but he was, and so he, he was like betraying himself with it. That was like what I got from it watching on. This is my yeah. second. And I was thinking that this time, like, Oh, I think like he's brainwashed and he's not supposed to know she's, you know, still alive, but he does. I don't know. Yeah. Cause cool. everybody on the Island is pretty much under her spell or they kind of know what she does or, or they, or she has a, a, a shield around her, you know, magically speaking or whatever to kind of deflect any other people coming in or whatever. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Cause, uh, and then Franco too, he's just so obsessed with her. He's like watching her as she's laying there naked sunbathing. And Lena looks really great in this. Her boobs, her body, she's fantastic. And Epic. except the candy cost her wig, whatever, but you know. But yeah. yeah um, I know when they go swimming in the pool in the beginning, I was like, gosh, she can't even dip her hair. She's like, <laughs> yeah. like a dog, like above the water, like dog paddling because she can't get her wig wet. I'm like, come on, Lena. <laughs> It would look, she just looks so silly next to the guy who's like, you know, getting all, he's shaking around his wet hair and, you know, and she's trying to keep up with him like a little dog paddle. Was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. And then of course we go to the line where we had talked about your beautiful, uh, your beautiful body and slut, but you're all like Western women. Cause she's laying there kind of in a trance thinking about the woman, uh, fingering her and very graphically they show close-ups of it. I was like, wow, she's really finger banging her and they're showing it, blah, 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 you know? And yeah, uh, I love the vibrations in this. Like, I mean, she just shakes, you know, like her yeah. whole body is just like, ah, you know, like she's like in some kind of like, yeah, like, like, like she's being possessed, you know, it's so yeah. intense. Great. It is. She's just into it. And Frank was kind of watching her. When I was in love, I remember what that felt like, you know, that, that was, <laughs> been so long oh. uh so then she's like doing that he's like watching her and he's like kind of like scared and into her and then he has a speech with her and then she goes finally to uh uh oh, but i'm sorry before she gets to franco's thing it's really cool there's a of course it's on the list uh the sailboat she uh she gets on this boat to go to the princess and it's this great big sailboat and when the front sails down, it almost looks like a dragon that she's kind of on this ship. It's very cool looking and it's very yeah. old fashioned, you know, like a 1940s movie or something, you know. Totally. The whole set of this whole film is just what it's like. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then on the little documentary thing on here, the place they're like her castle is like a tourist resort. And those little those little homes, those three little homes, the little dome things are like we're there at the hotel. So it was like a little resort thing. So that's all enclosed. So that was like a little tourist resort, that little area. So like, oh, shit, we'll just fill all this here. This is their castle. This is this thing. This is that thing. And, you know, there's a very touristy film because like the scene we're talking about now where she goes and gets on the camel. To me, that felt like that was something that the tourists do. And that guy that was leading them probably does that for people for money. And it's like a regular thing. Oh, you know, ride the camels up this trail. He goes, okay, I'll probably pay you and I'll film my actor and we'll just film this and it's part of the film. And it's a, it's a really cheap thing and it's already there and you don't have to hire things to bring. And, and that's why I was watching it. Like, oh, that's a really cool idea. And that ad, the scene of her riding the camels with the two servants is very cool. It adds a really good feel to the film. It's Camels do not look comfortable though, do they? No, but they're <laughs> walking in sand and made me feel better. They're not on concrete or gravel or anything. It was a nice sand. So like, okay, at least their paws are not bad, you know. Yeah, but the, 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 those camel rides, I do not 
like because you know you want to like you think of like when you're a kid and you wanted to go ride the camel the elephant or whatever in the you know zoo and it's like you realize like nah it doesn't look like a good time (laughs) yeah you're really high up in the air you just usually go around in a circle or something and it's done it's kind of lame you know but uh but no one thing i really liked as i was watching this film getting into this part was they're really good locations, like you talked about, a really good atmosphere. It's a very slow, floating kind of quality of the film. It just kind of guides you along. You're just kind of going with her on the voyage and just taking it as it comes, you know, not a lot of story. It's like wafting in and out of dreams, you know? It's like she's there and then she's back, you know, in that little blue room and she's like, oh, I don't want to go there. And then, oh, wait, they're going to go there. And then she's like, I don't want to go there. And it's like, did she ever even go there, you know? Well, that's at the end. Yeah, I mean, we're not there yet, but yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) but yeah no, they have like locations they have really cool scenes of Tara walking in the dunes with the slaves i thought was a really good stuff uh, yeah isn't that remember when i mentioned that in that other in the in the hundred year franco thing and about the, the did you when you saw that we were like yeah that is like the most iconic moment like i feel like there's so many like iconic kind of jess moments in this movie it's just so like I mean, the the two slaves, like when I think of Jess Franco films, people like ask me, what's your favorite? What do you recommend? I never say this one because I don't think it's a, the proper starting place, right. but I definitely, my mind, oh, like my mind always flits to all these images. And this is one of the first images that always slams in my brain. When I think of Jess movies, I think of like the, the you know, this goddess walking through the desert with these two slaves and how they're all going to attack Lena. And it's just, that's just magic to me that's just jess franco in a nutshell and her slaves are named uh, poppy and tulip like her flowers you know <laughs> what is with that and like the woman is all pretty and the guy is like so weird looking when he's getting with the dude like i mean well, well he's he doesn't get with the dude but right exactly because that's the franco thing he's he the slaves in theory are supposed to go with both but of course he doesn't want to see the guy on the guy because whatever and even Stephen Thrower talked about that. He goes, I didn't want to see the bug-eyed guy fillet uh, Antonio Mayans, but it would still be good to have him kind of touch him or do something with him to show that. You but know? like, okay, I, I mean, I, I, you know, it's easy to fap when Lena's in the thing, but I'm trying at that point. And the thing was, is like, every time that that guy's face like was peering <laughs> at them through the Just the guys. It was like Will Ferrell was popping out like, oh, <laughs> me out of it completely i like i can't like <laughs> yeah that's funny but yeah like you said yeah lena but lena was serviced by tara and the two slaves so basically uh the one woman was going down on lena and then Ajita wilson was on one boob and then the other guy was on the other boob you know and lena was yeah, that's the, like that that scene is the ultimate like i figured all- you well when i watch that scene i go oh this is the scene collie fight digs most yeah exactly like, masturbating right now <laughs> You, you were not wrong. That's funny. Yeah, that, that, that's my favorite. I love that scene. I, I remember the first time I watched this movie, I rewound that and played it a few times. Yeah, I was having a, I was drinking the first time I watched this. And yeah, I really liked that scene a lot. I think my favorite scene was right around there was the scene where like they go out in the desert and she does the incantation on the sand and draws all the symbols and then pulls the white. I was like, that was really clever. It's a cheap special <laughs> effect. And it's really, really a good fucking idea i thought that was a really clever beautiful imagination scene you know and then of course sucking on some other thing but the whole drawing it out of the sand and I was like, that's, that's a fucking good idea you know yeah yeah i mean then that's what she passes along her magical sexual energy with you know yeah 
it's like she's conjuring her power and doing that into the thing and then mm-hmm. using it as the device, you know. Conjured the dildo. Which is funny because I was thinking Macumba sexual. And then I thought another, there's this Jamaican guy and instead of saying cucumber, he says cucumba. So I was all cucumba sexual because she uses a cucumba. <laughs> That's like a really good like summer drink. I think I need to like learn how to make the cucumba sexual. Yeah, make it with like a uh, cucumber kind of a, you know. Yeah. Deal thing. Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. Well, a mint infusion thing happening. Um, I think drink is going to be the kikimba sexual. There you go. Nice. Ninety-four degrees right now at almost seven p.m. in Los Angeles. So yeah, you're a little bit warmer than really good for kikimba sexual. Uh, let's see. Let's, we're almost finished here. Let's see. We got uh, Tara transferring the power to Alice. So Alice is going to be the new Princess Obongo, the Princess of Darkness. Not the Prince of Darkness, Dracula, but the Princess of Darkness. Um, oh, yeah. So Lena. So there's a lot of Lena's magic tongue in this, and, I, and I'll talk about that when we get to the list. But Lena does a move with uh, Ajita Wilson where she does the magic tongue and then a bite, like playful bites, and then scratches as she's doing it. I was like, all right, she's fucking adding to her move set, you know. Yeah. yeah. She has a little, yeah. little playful bites and then the scratch and licks. I was like, all right, Lena, she's fucking you know, working it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they, there's no, uh, nothing, no stuff's pulled or wherever that goes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. No, no, no holes barred or, yeah. or, or, or uh, no holes barred. Um, no holes barred. <laughs> and speaking of, uh, one of the last things Sean I liked was really beautiful was when. Lena takes over the power from her as she dies. Franco has this light shining in her eye, has this nice sparkle in uh, G. Wilson's eyes. She's dying. The light starts drawing out of her eyes. It was a really, really beautiful like close-up shot of that. And then, of course, we had the conversation where Lena wakes up, she's back in her room, and it's all full circle. And then she sees the fake Pazuzu and starts screaming, and then you see the Pazuzu, and it's <laughs> the end, you know. It's kind of a cool end. Yep. Yeah, the the end is great. You can't help but laughing with her. Screaming. Yeah, it is very odd. You see that statue. Ah! And Lena's like, just turns it up, just fucking throttled, you know, which is like, all right, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Lena's really good in this. She she gives a really good performance. She, I mean, okay. Lena's always amazing, but acting wise, she definitely is very invested in this film. And, and she's Yeah, she's present. This. She's here for this. She's into this. She's all about this. Yeah. yeah. She, she's really going it with Legita. And Antonio Mayans, it's funny watching them. And then yeah, and he uh, ends up like the last time you see him, he's in his cage. Oh yeah, good call. Yeah, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Almost like I mean, I mean, you see him at the end with her in in the bed, and it was all right. a dream. But but was it all a dream? Yeah, because he gets turned into a slave. That's something we talked forgot to talk about. He comes over and he starts messing with the princess, and then she says, "You're my slave now." And she ends up putting the, the uh, collar chain on him, and he goes into the cage kind of like the wicker man or something, but there's like birds in cages as well in this film. So that was kind of cool. So she becomes, yeah. one of, he becomes one of her pets, you know, or sleepers, mm-hmm. so. all right, well, let's walk out the list real quick. Uh, let's see. Um, Bird in a cage is a slave. Yes, yes, they are. Number one, body of water. Yes. Two sailboat boats, plenty of those uh, palm trees. Yes. Jungle sound effects. Yeah, we have birds. A lot of the birds in the thing. Um, number six, chained up person. Big time. The images of the pets, the chained up people like that on, on the leash and chain. Uh, number seven, dancing ste- scenes on stage stripping. None of those in this film, unfortunately. Uh, no club scenes, dancing in a bar, nothing like that. 
jazz music a little bit. It's more of a tropical and more like an exotica kind of a organ. And, uh, oh, bongo. We're going to put you in a trance music. Yeah, almost like a Corla Pandit fucking, I don't know, just 50s fucking, I don't know, exotica music. Or it's very, very, very great, great music. Uh, number, see got, number 10, excessive zooms. Not excessive, but some. Zooming in and out. 11 out of focus shots. No, he was really, really only in his coochie. Come on. That was the only Yeah, one. I mean, but it was, yeah, but it's something you see. It's like him. Yeah, there is a few, but not like crazy. In slowly. It's like you don't really see her pussy lips at first, but he just goes in. in, in, in yeah, in. I know. Because when she was in those yeah. jeans, I didn't know they were hanging out. And they do that shot. You're like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Zoom. Come on. That's a great that's zoom. But I mean, he's not continuous the whole movie the movie's not zoom heavy but there is yeah, definitely well, some it's not like wah wah like some of his films yeah he's he's cool with this but he's still yeah definitely has them out of focus shots no he's he's goodness number 12 mirror shots there's a really cool mirror shot and it means a lot uh when her husband goes to visit the princess and there's this mirror behind her and it's broken up into like 50 or 60 little teeny mirrors and you see him as his visage rising up to see her He's in all these little pieces, so he's not a complete person. He's just broken up, so he's easily, you know, destroyed by her. So I was like, oh, that's a cool fucking yeah. beautiful artistic shot, you know. Sure. Um, very, very nice. And not a lot, but that was cool. Number 13, mind control themes, of course. Hold yeah. <laughs> uh, 14, magic tongue scenes, yes. Uh, and I even took a, one on my phone. There's a couple uh, Ajita Wilson and Lena magic tongue duels. I was like, all right, you know, so. yeah. Yeah, when they have their, like, it's not even like they're kissing. It's like they're having, like, a tongue war. Yeah, they're, like, wagging <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> but, yeah, leaving those magic tongue pretty good in this. Yeah, tongue wars. <laughs> 15, red light, no. Uh, 16, sheepskin, no. But masturbation with a sea item. I don't know, uh, a sea item, but a lot, definitely a lot of masturbating with the fucking two different white. Uh, I'm sure you, that was cucumber. Yeah, 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 there you go. <laughs> Call. I've totally realized I'm a joke. Uh, 17, mad scientist and servant. Well, I guess, she, like, Ajita Wilson would be, like, the mad scientist of the film, and, like, maybe her servants were her slaves, but it's more like Dracula, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would give be it that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 18, uh, fishing shots, no. 19, talking parrots, no. 20, end credits, yes or no, it says yes. Uh, 21 handwritten notes or handwritten signs. Did you catch any of those? I, I didn't. No. Yeah. Uh, 22 spiral staircase. Yeah, there's a cool shot of Lena walking down the staircase inside of the princess's place when she visits her. Uh, 23 inept cops. No, inept husband. Uh, 24 belly chains. No. Uh, 25 kinks. Something like that. 26 great headboards. There's the blue one in her house and then the hotel she stays at, Jess Franco's hotel. There's these like wooden cool things on the headboard. Nothing too crazy, but kind of stylish. Uh, number 27, Fear or Desire. Desire, right? <laughs> I mean, has yeah. it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, 28, Acoustic Guitar Player. I don't think there's no acoustic guitar in this film. True. <laughs> and number <laughs> yeah and number five finally number 29 uh, reading a book scene yeah lena's reading that book in the beginning it's like a, a rommel or something i think it's a world war ii book or i don't know what it is i didn't notice that 
yeah, Lena Gage, you see the books open next to her on the bed in the beginning at the end of the movie. So she's reading a book, some some book. It's like Rommel. I don't, I don't know if it's Rommel from World War II or if it was Ommel or it's O-M-M-E-L as the author. So I didn't oh, zoom in on it, but I, but I definitely Manuel. checked it out. Manuel, what's his name? Uh, yeah, see what it is. So, but yeah. So, uh, well, it looks like we're getting close to our... Oh, never mind. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't be that. I don't think it'd be Nadia to kill Gibran in that film. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, but it seems like she usually reads like spy novels he has her read or like other stuff usually in these movies are always like, you know, yeah. trashy novels or some really shit. Um, all right, well, what's your, what's your final words on this? It looks like our Zoom time limit's getting close to the end here. Just simply that may all your dreams come true. I mean, that's really the whole gist of this whole film just you know it's all just like a giant you know of all of Lita's magic tongues and all the magic tongues in the world upon you may you be blessed with all of the magic tongues I mean all your dreams come true it also says if you have a lot of money and if you have these hypnotic powers anybody you want you can have oh (laughs) that's what she does she obsesses over lena she spends a bunch of money buys a house she'll never see that she'll never sell or anything she says she does all that just so she can have lena come over that she can try to seduce her and 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 get into her head and you know control her yeah kind of like an indecent proposal (laughs) indecent proposal meets dracula (laughs) yeah I mean, I'd see, you know, she's so beautiful and she's the goddess of lust. I mean, I don't think she needs the money or the power. I mean, who wouldn't follow her feet anyways? To them. She's so beautiful. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, are you talking about princess or you talking about Lena? The princess. Princess, yeah. Well, I don't think you're talking about Lena. Also, well, so. Lena, yeah. I could, you know, yeah, I mean, come on, Lena. Yeah. About Lena. Everybody on earth knows how I feel about Lena. Exactly. But yeah, no, that princess, though, that's my type. 100%. Yeah, love that. She's a babe. Yeah, very, very powerful. Very cool outfits. Very uh, strong. You know, very evil. Very, you know, definitely played a Dracula type very well. Even though it's not a vampire. Well, yeah, I, I guess she's a vampire. Even though she doesn't have fangs or anything. I guess you'd be like a voodoo priestess or what would you consider? Would you consider a vampire or a voodoo priestess or a definitely a priestess? There's no blood. There's no like, I mean, fangs. There's no right. No, you're right. Up. But it's the same story as Vampiros Lesbos and Dracula. That's why I was trying she's to. Got think her about chicken. It. She's got her all the all the stuff is voodoo. It's all voodoo. That's true. Yeah, and Bazo- it means the Bazuzu thing. So it's like the well, devil. Or, yeah, times and talks about how her power, you know, is partially emanating from her being black. Which I mean, I like that. I like that. Like this was back in the day when you were allowed to fetishize, like you know, being black or white or whatever, because every human does that, and it's so weird to pretend that like we don't do that. I mean, of course, whenever I fuck a black guy, I'm thinking, oh my god, he's black. I mean, it's a thing that you do, and everybody acts like that's so whatever non PC now, but it's completely real. Well, there's a difference between I think having a type and fetishizing. And I mean, it's very true. Like, you know, you, you get like excited by the fact that, you know, you're, you're with someone that you don't usually maybe have access to and, you know, you know, through in your, throughout your life or whatever, it's just, it's exciting. It's a different, you know, experience and you can't deny that and everybody wants to, but it is, it's very special and magical and you can make it more magical and you can make it more mythical and you can make it like this 
exceptional, you know, like thing, and it doesn't take away from the person. I, I just don't even say it all that. Now, see, and I'm and I'm the same way, <laughs> and I'm the same way you are. But without sex, it's about fantasizing about killing somebody or something going on, and you imagine all the bizarre scenarios and all the grand stuff, and you, it could be bigger than this, bigger than this, bigger than this, and you don't do it, and it's like a whole other thing, you know. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, like Tom Waits said, you're innocent when you dream. That's true. <laughs> well, I think that's a good, good end cap on this. So to quote Tom Waits. So, uh, all right. Well, thank you again, Colin, for joining us talking about one of your uh, favorite type of uh, monumental. I absolutely love this film. Definitely. Yeah. Probably my top 10 that Frank goes for sure. Yeah, I know. And, and real quick, the new Blu-ray by Severance really nice. I say, check it out. Uh, it's a nice release. Got a cool stuff. Good transfer. So, yay, Severin. Hopefully, they'll be putting out more Franco Blu-rays. So, Sweet. alrighty. Well, I'll be talking to you again on uh, another episode coming up soon. So, thanks Woo-hoo. again.